Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. I'm starting a brand new series today uh, on the afterlife. And today we're going to be looking at um, how life today affects, you know, where we're going to spend all time and eternity. I'm simply calling this uh, series Heaven. And, um, and you might be wondering why I would start a series on Heaven on Father's Day. Kind of an interesting time to, you know, start a series, you know, and not have a message about fathers. But the truth is, men will agree that women, the, the moment that you met your man, you experienced just a little bit of heaven at that time. And, and so um, I thought it was very fitting. Come on, let's put our hands together for all the men in the house. Woo! Um, so uh, let's go ahead and just dive in. I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. All right, so Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, If then you have been raised with Christ... And I want everybody that knows Jesus Christ right now just to say amen. amen. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Somebody say above. above. Where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above. Somebody say above. above. Not on things that are on the earth. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So many people, they just kind of skip over this last verse, and they skip over the idea that whenever you give your heart to Jesus, that your life is no longer your own. I hope you know that. Amen? Amen. How many of you know that your life now belongs to Him? He has purchased it uh, with a great price. When He went to the cross, and, and you received Him as your Lord, come on, your life now belongs to um, to him. And, and at that moment of receiving Jesus Christ, hopefully your life goes beyond just being about you. I don't know about you, but whenever I was in the world and when I didn't have any relationship with God, it was all about me. And if it was good for me, it better be good for everybody else because that's the only thing that I was concerned with. But when Jesus, somebody say, Jesus. When he came into my life, he began to give me a love, and he gave me a compassion, and he gave me a desire, come on, to serve and to love people. That's one of the greatest miracles that I've experienced, is to have compassion and love for people once again. When I was a child, uh, and, and somebody was hurting, uh, my heart would break for them. I wish I could, I wish I could, I could do something about the pain that they had felt, and and as, as I continued just to be self-serving and, 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 it, and, and I, I grew and it became more and more just about me, my compassion for people went away. But when Jesus saved me, come on, he began to soften up my heart and I, I began to love and to care about people once again. The greatest miracle that's happened to me, there was a lot of things that happened, but that was one that I understood and, uh, and I understood very, very well because I knew what a hard heart was like. If anybody here has ever had a hardened heart and Jesus has softened your heart, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so when we give our hearts to Jesus, 
it no longer, the focus is no longer just the here and the now, or it's no longer just this earth as we know it. I mean, just think about this for a second. If you didn't believe in God, and you just believed that everything was just about this world as we know it, then you would, you, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I would do everything that I could do to get more, to be more. I would lie, cheat, steal. I would just do everything because, listen, I've only got one life to live. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to make the most of every single day. But I'm telling you what, it's not just about this world. And so when you give your heart to Jesus, you have a different worldview. You start having an eternal view. Come on, it's not just about the here and the now. The Bible says this, that you're to be in the world but not of the world. Did you know that? Like you're supposed to be in this world, but you're not supposed to be like those people that do not have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ as you do. So what does it mean to flee worldliness? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. To one group of people, it just means don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't chew, you know, don't, 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 don't. To another, it means, another group of people, it means, listen, don't, don't incorporate technology in your life. Don't drive cars, you know, don't have cell phones. Come on, those are, those are worldly things and you need to flee the, you know, the world. To another, it, it, another group of people, it's more about how you look, you know what I mean? Wear dresses that are down to your ankles, you know, don't show off any curves. Men, make sure and cut your hair. If, you're, if your hair is touching your collar, it's too long. And, and so that's fleeing worldliness. But I'm telling you this, that when you come to Jesus Christ, um, it, it, it should be, there should be something activated inside of you that your devotion to God shapes everything that you say and do. It really shapes who you become. It's like, God, I just want to follow you. And, and I, I don't want to follow a bunch of rules, but I believe that as your spirit is inside of me, come on, you're going to direct my steps. You're going to lead me and guide me and direct me into all truth and understanding. Amen? How many of you want to get up in the morning and just look at a bunch of rules about what you should and should not do throughout the day? But do you know this, that the, that the living God, the same, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when you're fixing to do something that you shouldn't be doing, it's going to be like bumping you. Or if it's like me, he'll slap you across the face. You know what I'm saying? And so, so he will direct your steps. The steps of a righteous are ordered by the Lord. And so we're called to an active devotion to God that shapes who we become. This is kind of a weird kind of a, a, a statement, but, but when we're born, we're born with a sin nature now. How many of you knew that? Like, you don't have to teach a one-year-old or a two-year-old how to be selfish. You put two of them in a room, give them about 15 seconds, and one's going to, you know, be hitting the other with a, with a plastic bat. You, you know what I mean? Just because it's in them. They don't have to be taught it. That sinful, selfish nature is inside of them. So we're born kind of with an, with a, with a, with an earthly mindset. It's all about me, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, all these things. But when we're born again, somebody say born again. Come on, God puts a little bit of heaven, a little bit of eternity inside of us. And, and, and it becomes about his righteousness. And it becomes about eternity. And it becomes about healing. And it, it, it becomes about serving. And it becomes about giving. Come on, it becomes about forgiving. As I have been forgiven, I will forgive the person that has trespassed against me. Amen? Are you with me here today? 
I love this. In John chapter 3, there was a man by the name of Nicodemus that had come to Jesus. And he said, listen, Jesus, how do I have eternal life? And, uh, and, and, and he begins to talk a little bit to Jesus. And it's almost like Jesus stops him in mid-sentence. And he said, Nicodemus, for you to have eternal life, you must be born again. I believe that Jesus saw something in Nicodemus. He saw that, that Nicodemus had a little bit, maybe a little bit too strong of a, of a worldview. And this is, this is just my mind engaged here. But many of the Pharisees of that day, it was, it was a religious but also a political position. These people, you know, were studied in the law, but they also wore religious garb and, and people knew that, you know, that they had a spot, a political spot in, in the office that they served. And, and many times, um, because they were a Pharisee, they were given some of the best seats in some of the, you know, if they were to go to the movies, they would get the finest of seats or out to dinner. They didn't have movies back then, but out to, you understand what I'm saying. They, would, they, would, they were elevated, and, and, and they had a, I believe many of them had a strong um, desire to, to gain and to receive honor, and, and it wasn't so much maybe about serving as it was about giving, but I believe that Jesus saw something here, and, and I believe that this is something that we can deal with even today, and we see it even today. Come on, have you ever heard somebody talk about a prosperity doctrine? Anybody ever heard that? Come on, just real quick, I'm asking you, what does that mean? When you hear prosperity gospel or prosperity doctrine, what do you think of? What's that? Name it and claim it. Boy, this whole, you guys related? Are you guys, are you guys, okay. That was awesome. Name it and claim it. Yeah, listen, that God, God wants you to be wealthy. He doesn't want you to struggle. He doesn't want you to ever get sick. And, 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 and while there might be some truths that a person can stand on, I'm telling you that name it, claim it gospel, that prosperity gospel only works in the United States or in Western, Western civilization. I mean, you go to you know, some of the jungles in some of the most remote parts of the world Come on, God's not looking to maybe make those people millionaires. And, and, and I'm just saying it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous uh, track to go down that now I'm saved and people start looking for everything that they can get because of the favor of God on their life. What about the people that gave their lives as they know it, their living being for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Come on, look at the disciples. Look at the first people that were a part of the first church and what it cost them, come on, to advance the gospel in the earth. They gave it all. They weren't looking, come on, to receive, you know, worldly possessions and, and, and the finest of homes and the greatest cars and, and things as such, but they gave it all to advance the kingdom in the earth. Amen. In fact, in... Uh, Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, it says this, what good is it if you gain the whole world, but, let you, but yet you've lost your soul? What good is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? You know, there are people that come into contractual agreement with the devil. I believe this wholeheartedly. They say, listen, man, if you'll just make me somebody... If you will give me a name, if you will, if you will allow me to, you know, to, to, to gather great wealth, I will give it all for you. I'll give you my soul. And I believe that there are some people that have, that have come into, entered into an agreement 
with the enemy and they've been promoted. But the Bible here addresses that. It says, what good is it if you gain the whole world? What if you're the greatest person on the planet, but you're gone tomorrow and you've lost your soul? It's not worth it, folks. Matter of fact, what's worth it is to live sacrificially in such a way that if, if this world, if it costs me my life, Come on, I've got the promise of heaven. I've got the promise of eternity. I'm telling you what, this world is not our home. Come on, we are strangers, the Bible says, they are, are passing through a strange land. Come on, we were, I want you to listen just real quick. We were, never, we were never called as Christians, as God's creation, to put everything in this one basket called the world and this life as we know it. You need to know that. Some people think that, that man, this is the greatest thing that God has for us. And while it's good, it is not his best. It is not his great. He has got greater things in store for you. And in fact, I will say it like this. I just did a funeral just this last week. Uh, Ernest Ramey comes to this church, and he lost his wife, Gwen. Of, uh, she was 84 years young, and they were married for 65 years. And, uh, and she passed, and, and, and I was sitting with Ernest and the family, and I was saying, listen, how do we want to shape this funeral? We'll make this celebration of life service everything that you want it to be. And so I was finding out details about Gwen that, that I didn't know, and, and, he was, and he was speaking, and he was sharing, and, and he says, do you know what, Travis, Pastor Travis, do you know what? I said, what's that? He said, she wasn't even afraid. She wasn't afraid of dying. She didn't, she didn't want to leave her family, but she was not afraid of dying. And he said, do you know why? Because of relationship in Jesus Christ. Because she knew who she is in Christ. And you know what? You don't have to be 84 years old. Come on, some of you much younger people, you're saying, well, yeah, she was 84 years old. You know what I mean? She's lived a long life. I remember when I was 20, not thinking I was 40, and I'm well past 40 now. You know what I'm saying? It's not like life, you know, looses its, its hold on you to where you're not interested in it anymore. But I'm telling you, there's a confidence that comes for those that are in Christ Jesus. Let me say it like this. If you are in Christ and, and you lose somebody that you know for a fact had a great relationship with Jesus, it should, it should calm your nerves and your ability to mourn and go through the process of that loss. It should encourage you up a little bit knowing that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they are blood-bought, born-again Christians. That God has forgiven them of all of their sins. The yes, I'm going to mourn the loss of this person. Right now, my dad is fighting for his life. He's, he's dying. He, I've got my stepdad, which is, which is uh, he raised me from the time that I was eight until, until you know, I was out of high school. And uh, he's got Parkinson's and he's got dementia. And what happens with Parkinson's and dementia, your body forgets some of the most simplest of motor skills like, like swallowing. And so here he is. He's always been a man's man. He's always been strong. Here he is. He's laid up in a, in a bed, and, and, and he's dying. He's passing. He's, he's nothing but skin and bones. And if we're lucky, we get about an hour out of the day where, where he will open his eyes, and, 
and, uh, and sometimes a little bit more than that, but sometimes he doesn't open them all, and he'll look at you, and you can kind of engage a little bit, but you're still wondering. I wonder if he knows, you know, who we are and, and, and this and that. But do you know this? As difficult as it is to see him in this, in this, in this stage in this thing called life, it was about 18 to 20 years ago I received a phone call, and it was from this man, my dad. And he said, Travis, I've given my heart to Jesus. And from that time until this time, and it was a radical salvation. I mean, he, he, he delivered from drinking, delivered from smoking, just, I mean, just radically changed and transformed. His heart, which was hard, was softened. Again, and I'm just telling you, this is as difficult as it is seeing him in this stage and as difficult as it is, you know, on my family and my mom and, and everybody else, there's a confidence in me to where I am honestly able to pray this prayer, Lord, just take him because I don't want to see him suffer and I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's my prayer is that God would just take him, that he wouldn't suffer, that he wouldn't, that he wouldn't struggle, but he would just go. Come on, he's lived a good life and he is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so when you lose somebody, it should do something with inside of you that bursts a confidence if you know, come on, that they're saved. I don't understand it whenever people seemingly have no hope when they know that somebody has given their heart to the Lord. I want to remind you of something. Every single one of us are going to die. Every one of us. And you know what? You might not be in your 90s. It might be tomorrow. Every single one of us is going to pass away unless the Lord comes back and he tarries. He comes back. And, 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 and he takes us, us home with him. But you're going to die. And the people that you love are going to pass away. And if they love Jesus Christ, and if they know him, then come on, they're entering into a rest like they've never entered into before. This is what this whole Christian life is about. It's about spending time in eternity, come on, with Jesus, who gave us everything so that we could live with him and be with him. Amen? You know, people right now are dealing with sickness. So many people have cancer. I just went to the hospital last night to pray for Darren Stelly. Pray for Darren. Be with him. Come on, send your prayers in, in his direction. We've got my brother right here that's, that's dealing with some stuff. We've got, we got things that are happening. We've got sickness. But guess what? Darren might outlive I believe the Lord's going to raise him up, but guess what? People with stage four or five, however, whatever the stages are, they might outlive somebody that's completely healthy. You have no idea when your last day is going to be your last day. Your days are numbered. What's important? That you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. Do you know him? Do you know him? Amen. I'm telling you, we need to, this is a big situation, a big deal that we need to we need to really ask ourselves, do we know him? Over the years, I've heard so many questions about heaven. One person asked, what kind of music is going to be played in heaven? They thought, man, is everybody just going to be playing harps? That's hell. <laughs> I mean, I get... 
I like me some good heart music, but all the time, you know. Another person asked, you know, will we wear clothes? I hope so. I hope we have clothes in heaven. Another person asked, will we have pets? Have you ever thought about that? Are we going to have pets in heaven? And I believe that there will be animals in heaven. The Bible speaks of different animals like the lion, the lamb, the wolf, and, and others. And, but I don't believe like spiders and snakes. Can I get a good amen? I don't think they're going to be making it. Um, spiders. I hate spiders. Anything that can sneak up on you and ruin your day is a bad animal, <laughs> bad insect. Another person said this, that, we'll, you know, why are there gates in heaven? Really, what kind of neighborhood is that? Do we really want to go? Yeah, gated community, rough neighborhood. Um, but there are a lot of twisted beliefs whenever it comes to heaven. Um, one person said, who wants to be a part of a depressing church service that never ends? <laughs> How many of you know that that's just not what it's going to be like? I was thinking about this, and I shared this with first service, that, that we feel and we experience come on Jesus, I believe, in his spirit in part. In fact, if he was to show up and we were to experience him in his fullness, I think we would just all just begin to keel over. You know what I mean? Just, I don't think we can handle it. But we're going to be in that place where we can experience his fullness, not dimly, you know, not, not, not just a little bit here and a little bit there, but we're going to experience him fully, and I think that that's going to be incredible. Frederick Nietzsche, which was a philosopher, said, listen, in heaven... All the interesting people are missing. Boy, did he get that wrong. Um, there are so many of the heroes of the faith that I really look forward to just spending some time with, one of those being David. And then, of course, I also believe that we will have plenty of opportunity just to spend time with Jesus and sit at his feet, and I think that's going to be incredible. Matthew 5.16 encourages us as believers in this way. It says, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen? Your life is supposed to um, be so attractive and so interesting that it causes those that do not know Jesus to want to know more about him. Amen? Come on, so if we're living boring lives, then let's change it up a little bit. We are ambassadors of Christ in the earth. That means we are his representation and your life should attract people. Uh, if we live like hell, why would anybody desire heaven? I want you to turn your Bible, please, to the book of Daniel. We're going to spend a little bit of time in this book. I'm going to start with Daniel chapter 4, and then we're going to fast forward to Daniel chapter 6, and so you can get that ready. But in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 26, this is Daniel speaking to um, King Nebuchadnezzar. He had served a couple a few uh, Babylonian kings, and um, we're going to look at two of those today. But uh, Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, Your kingdom shall be confirmed for you. It will be established for you from the time or at the time that you know that heaven rules. So he was challenging. He's like, listen, you are a king, but you need to know that there's somebody greater than you that's, that's ruling. And as you honor God, and as you, you know, surrender, come on to his will for your life, and, 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 and begin to pursue righteousness, he said, he said, then God will establish your kingdom in the earth. But the problem was, is King Neb 
believed that he ruled. He believed that he was all-powerful. He believed that his word was supreme. And it goes on in verse 27. It says, Therefore, O king, Daniel's telling him still, he said, Let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Can I just tell you this? Like, if you're here this morning, and and this is very possible, if you're here this morning and you've just got sin that you've allowed just to remain in your life, can I encourage you to let the words of Daniel come on encourage you? Break off the sin from your life. Listen, you can stop it right now. You can just say, God, I'm, I'm, I, I just really messed up and, and I've allowed some things and I'm just asking you to forgive me of my sins. You could break it off right now and let God's word and his spirit begin to rule in your life. See, Daniel was telling the king, he said, listen, if you'll but humble yourself before God, then God will establish you. He will bless you and he will prosper you. But guess what? King Neb would not bow to him. And because of that, this man that was created to walk on on two legs, just like each and every one of us, for 365 days, for a whole year, he he was walking on all fours, eating the grass of the field. People thought he was crazy. His, his, His hair grew long. He grew hair all over his body, and people thought that this man, this once strong man that was there was a king, such a great king. Come on, he has done lost his mind. All because he would not recognize, listen to me, that this world is secondary to another world. This is why Paul encourages us even in, in the New Testament. He says, listen, now this is back when slaves were, you know, wealthy people had slaves and, and even some you know, you didn't necessarily have to be wealthy, but, but um, uh, he said, listen, for those of you that have slaves, be careful how you treat, come on, those, those people that work for you, understanding that there is an ultimate authority that is looking how you're treating them. And he was, he, he was showing us here, come on, that God pays attention to how we treat one another. And if you just treat a person, a human being, come on, that has been purchased with the blood of Christ, come on, Christ, God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And he's saying, listen, if you're going to disregard what I have given my best for, if you're going to treat them like a piece of machinery or, or a, uh, an owned possession, he's like, you better watch out because one that has greater authority is watching how you treat that person. Go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It says this. It ple- now, this is a new king, King Darius. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the kingdom might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Somebody say an excellent spirit. And Eric, an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I was in first service. I'm going to repeat it because it had come to me um, in, the, in the, uh, the first service. But I want you to know this, that promotion comes from the Lord. 
uh, promotion, God is able to elevate you. And, and I really believe that this is for um, some folks here um, today that, that maybe, you know, you've been doing the right thing and, and, and it seems like everybody's just kind of looking over you. They're not seeing what it is that you're bringing to the table. In fact, you might in your place of work, you might have some people that are, that are, that are not you know, working with you, but in fact, they're working against you. They're saying things. They're whispering things. And I just want you to know this, that promotion comes from the Lord. Like the Lord is not limited by somebody's design to take you out or to, or to drag your name through the dirt. Promotion comes with, you know, it comes from the Lord. And so he is able um, to elevate you. And if that's for you, um, just receive that with great confidence. Number four says this, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. So they were working against him with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Verse 6, then these officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All of the high officials in the kingdom, now Daniel was not part of this and so it was not all, says all of the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that this king, that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days... So listen, if, if, you, if you're asking questions to God or you're asking it from another man, like the only person that you're able to ask is the king. So, so whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. And when Daniel heard that the document had been signed, I made a funny this morning, he went to Facebook and he began a huge rant. How many of you love Facebook rants? You know what I mean? And people started off with uh, long post. You know, long post, rant for the day, then they go off on somebody and, and then they just, you know, they just shut it down. That's not what Daniel did. The Bible says that when he found out that there were people against him, trying to destroy him and his name, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper room that were facing Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, just as he had done previously. So what was his prayer? His prayer was a heart of thanksgiving. God, thank you so much for this life that you have given me. God, thank you for the many blessings. Lord, I believe that every good thing that I've been able to experience is simply in my life because you are good. And, he's, and he went on to say that, listen, there's some people, you know what I mean, that are against me, but even if I end up as cat food in that lion's den, I'm still gonna praise you. You know what Daniel was able to do? He was able to look up in a troubled situation. Listen, folks, his life was on the line. His life was on the line. 
He knew that if he was caught praying to God, he was going to get thrown into the, into the lion's den. What is it that you do and what do I do, come on, when it seems like the whole world is against us? Do we start looking and protecting ourselves? Oh, man, you know what? This is, there's major consequences here. That's it. I'm just going to kind of hide my Christianity. I'm going to hide my faith in the Lord, and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to do things differently so that I can be liked and, and protected by, by these other people that are in positions of authority. No, Daniel said, listen, I don't care what kind of document you sign. I've got issues. I've got troubles. I'm going up into my upper room where everybody can see me. I'm opening the window to the east towards Jerusalem, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give thanks. I don't care what they do. Come on. Paul said, though they slay me, yet will I trust him, right? Are you with me here today? And so we've got to, when we go through troublesome times, we've got to lift our eyes and we've got to understand that, that we serve, come on, a great God. And even though it kills us, come on, we've got eternity promised to us. I, I just want you to know, just in case you don't know, uh, I, I, want, I just want your attention just real quick. In this world, if you're a, a real Christian, you're going to be hated. And, and as we move down the timeline closer, come on, to Jesus coming back, I believe that your faith is going to be tested in a way that we just haven't seen here in the United States. There's a lot of testing that's going on around the world where people are having to stand up for what it is they, they believe in, but I believe the time is coming that we too are going to have to stand up. In Sri Lanka on, on Easter Sunday, this was April 21st, Easter Sunday, 2019, there was a large group of people that came to worship the Lord on Easter Sunday. And, and just as Damon was talking about suicide bombers, there were suicide bombers that went into this church service and they, they exploded themselves, killing over 250 Christians at that moment, injuring, terribly injuring another you know, 500 plus people that were in that place. Do you know why? They bombed that church because they were Christians. That is why there's so much hate whenever it comes to the name of Jesus Christ that, that they sent in these suicide bombers to blow up that church. That's the world that we, that we live in today. Come on, since the beginning they've been trying to blot out the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm just telling you this, that, uh, that, that sometimes it costs us something, come on, to be counted with Jesus. The day is coming, it's already here, that it's not politically correct to be a Christian and stand up for some of the beliefs that are in your Bible. Do you know that? Like it's already here. And I'm telling you, it's going to be turned up even more than, than what it is right now. So when you are come against for having a certain belief because you believe the Bible to be true, when that happens to you, what are you going to do? Are you going to just shut your mouth and just try to, just try to, you know what I mean, be along with everybody else, not, not rocking the boat? Or are you going to stand up at the moment that God calls you to stand up for righteousness? I'm not saying that don't use wisdom, but I'm just telling you this, that the disciples that followed Jesus gave their life for the advancement of the kingdom solely because they knew that this life was worth a down payment for the life that was to come. 
They could have easily, come on, just, just cut off the relationship, live there 40, 50, 60, 100 years, whatever it is. Live the life like they wanted to, but not have the life that God had planned for them in eternity. Come on, somebody, are you with me here today? The only way that you and I are going to be able to stand in the last days is as we look up and keep our eyes on the things that are above. So I want to hit this real quick. I'm, 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 just stick with me just for a moment. We're getting close. I want to share with you some things that, that does not happen when we die. Now listen, I'm not an expert on heaven. I've never been there. I've never even had a vision on, on heaven. Have you guys seen any of the movies where people have had visions, you know, where they've died and, and experienced, you know, what heaven is like? I've never done that, so I'm not an expert on this, but, but I want to share with you some things that I believe are, are not true about heaven. First of all, I don't believe that you're sleeping when you die. Um, and I've been all over the map on this. I believe that you are at some points, but I honestly believe that just as Gwen, you know, passed away, I believe this solely that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and if that's some sort of a holding place, I believe that the presence of God is in that place. I don't believe in a soul sleep, um, if you will. I believe that you're immediately in the presence of the Lord. The thief, when he was hanging next to Jesus, um, this is what Jesus said to him on the cross. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. This day. Um, Stephen, when he was getting stoned in Acts chapter 7 and verse 55, it says this, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he said, behold, so, so Stephen is dying. He's He's being killed and murdered. He's, he's in transition from this life to the afterlife. And he says, behold, I see the heavens are opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I believe that he had a full picture of heaven. Come on, I believe that whenever we die, we're not destroyed and we're not forgotten. You know, and I'm not picking on any, any kind of a religion or, or beliefs, but the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there's only 144,000 people that are going to enter into heaven. Out of all the people that have ever lived, 144,000 that are going to enter into heaven. Do you know what? If I was Jehovah's Witness, which I'm not and I never have been, but if I was and, and somebody, you know, shared a message with me and somehow I got saved, however it is that they they, they, they say that happens. I can tell you this, I would never witness to another person just in case they were just a little bit better than I was and just kind of took my position in heaven. I would keep it to myself and I wouldn't, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I ain't telling nobody else. There's only a few of us that are gonna make it. That's funny. You guys laughed a little bit more than first service. I had to tell them it was a joke first service. That's how terrible of a joke teller I was. But there are some religions that believe that if you don't make it to heaven, you're just done. You go, back to, you go back to nothing. But I'm telling you this, even the religions that don't believe in, the, in a hell because it's too hard to think about, I'm telling you there is a hell. There is a heaven and there is a hell and there is an afterlife. Just because you die, you need to know that you continue to live. And Jesus shows us this in his word. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. 
dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, everlasting life. You die, you continue to live. But death is difficult and it's hard. And sometimes we have a real difficult time wondering, okay, where is this person? You know, asking the questions. I get asked that all the time. You know, somebody died and is, are they in heaven? And I'm like, listen, I can't put people in heaven and I can't put people in hell. But this is what I can tell you. If they knew Jesus Christ, there's no question that they're in heaven. If they repented of their sins, if they trusted him, yeah, they didn't need to be perfect, but did they believe, did they receive him as Lord, then they're in heaven. Other than that, I can't, I can't tell you what happened moments before a person died, but, but this is the deal is, is death is difficult and it's hard, and we don't like to think about the consequences of not serving him. Death is difficult, and so, 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 so we come up with things like there's no hell. How many of you know that death is just hard as it is, right? How many of you have ever lost a... I, I get so sad when I'm driving down the road and I'll hit a bird. I am such a softie. Or, or even, even worse, as if there's, there's higher standard. I hit a squirrel, I feel terrible. I love squirrels. I like to watch them. I think they're... Death is tough. How many of you ever lost a lo- uh, an animal? How many of you have felt like the animal was like part of your family? I am a dog lover, self-proclaimed dog whisperer. <laughs> few, few, few dogs have I ever met that don't like old Travis here. I just, we, we connect. We, know, we understand one another. I was at home one day. This, so my daughter, she loved cats. I'm not a cat person. I don't mind cats. I mean, they're fine, but I'm a dog person. But my daughter was living at home. We had a cat all the while because she's a cat person. She loves cats. She moved. Guess who still had the cat? <laughs> okay? So we had the cat, uh, uh, Tabby, and uh, people in the neighborhood knew that we had a cat, and some guy comes knocking on the door one day and, and uh, comes to the, he said, hey, uh, Mr. Turner, uh, you guys got a cat, right? Yeah, yeah, got a cat. He said, man, I just hit a cat on the road. I feel just terrible. I'm trying to find out you know, whose cat it is, do the whole proper burial thing. And, and, uh, and, and I asked him, I said, what did the cat look like? You know, my daughter's cat was black and white, had distinctive spots. I said, what did the cat look like? And he just paused for, for a second. He was like, preaching the second service so much better than first service. You guys laugh, make me feel like I'm funny. I know, that is terrible. (laughs) The next thing I just want to share with you is that there is no purgatory. There's no purgatory. Um, Not trying to be harsh or hard, but there is a belief system that there is a place that if you did not live for the Lord, that you can be in this holding place, and I don't understand this completely, but like family can, can spend money to get 
a person out of this, this holding place. And so, so this is what this would look like, and I think it's a fundraising, terrible fundraising scheme by the church. But uh, So you lose somebody, and maybe the pastor or the priest or whoever would come to you and say, hey, listen, what kind of life was Johnny living? Well, uh, I think we can get him out for about 10 grand. And so you can pay a dollar amount to, and, and to me, like, that just seems terrible. Can I just tell you this? That when you're dead, your opportunities to, to receive Jesus Christ are finished. That you, you can't have a family member 15 years down the road after you've passed accept Jesus on your behalf. You cannot have somebody get baptized in your, in your place. If you reject Jesus Christ while you're living, you suffer the consequences of denying the greatest gift and blessing that's ever been given to people. We have one life to live, and, and you're going to stand before the Lord, and you're going to be asked, what did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with him? There's no second chances. You give one life, you, 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 what you do with him determines where you're going to spend all eternity. So there's no purgatory or anything like that. You're not reincarnated. You're not going to come back as a cow um, or any other animal um, like that. There are some beliefs that, that you get a chance to get it right, and if you don't get it right, then you come back as a different animal, and then if you don't get it right, you come back as a different animal. And I was just thinking, man, what terrible things would somebody have done, you know, to, to come back as a snake or a spider or a rat or, or something like that. It does not happen. That's not a biblical world view. Number five is you're not automatically saved. This is what they call universalism. People believe that just because Christ came and gave his life for the world, therefore the whole world is saved. Can I just, I want to talk to you just for a quick second. You're not saved until you Believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're not saved until you come to a place of realizing that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. You're not saved until you ask Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life. I'm not saying it needs to look pretty, you need to be perfect, but there has to be, come on, a born-again experience and then you're saved. If, if, you've, if you've not done any of those things, then you're not saved and you have no part with him. But he has given his life so that anybody that would believe, come on, would not, would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. Amen? So what does happen when you die? I've already hit on this a little bit. Give me a few more moments. Number one, you're going to be judged. You're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to be judged. Hebrews 9.27, it says this, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that, the judgment. Come on, you're going to be judged as if you received Jesus Christ or not. I believe every single person will be given the opportunity, come on, to receive him. And there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. Buddha's not going to get you there. 
Muhammad's not going to get you there. Any amount of money is not going to get you there. Good works is not going to get you there. Like, you can't be good enough. Well, I followed all these principles and all these commandments. Doesn't matter. Come on, in your best of righteousness, it's as filthy rags. Did you know Jesus? And did he know you? Did you have intimacy with him? Come on, do you know who he is? Did you, did you share your life with him? And if you can say yes to that, amen, you are saved. Praise the Lord. Amen? If you reject him, if you say, yeah, yeah, that's just for a bunch of weak-minded people, if you reject him, if you receive him, heaven eternal. If you reject him, hell eternal. Whatever that looks like. But you really just need to know that. When I think about that, that's very sobering. Um, to me. But I want you to also know that heaven is a real place. You're not just hanging out in the clouds with naked babies playing harps. We see a lot of art like that. But, uh, but you're, you, it's a real place. Jesus said, he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be there also. So heaven is a, is a real place. And I want you to know that relationships are important in heaven. I want you to know that if you've, if you've lost a spouse or if you've lost a son or a daughter, if you've lost a, grand, a, a grandparent, if you've lost a friend, I want you to know this, and this is good news, that relationships are important in heaven. You will see that person again if they are in Christ, if they're a believer. That, that's between them and the Lord. But if you're in the Lord and they're in the Lord, you will be reunited with them again. And that's what a joyous time of celebration that that's going to be. Come on. We hear things like the marriage supper of the Lamb, and it's a, it's a wedding feast. Why? Because family is important. One guy a few years back was telling me that I'm just going, I'm, and he was saying it funny, like facetiously, I'm just going to go to hell where all my friends are. You know, it's just going to be a big party. You've probably talked to the same guy, just with a different name. Have you ever heard somebody talk like that? I'm just going to go to hell. You know what? Hell is going to be a great party. We're just going to party for heaven's boring. I'm going to hell. Well, guess what? You're not going to be with friends because there are no friends in hell. Come on, you're not going to you're not going to have any kind of fellowship because there is no fellowship in hell. There's no love. There's no compassion. There's no fun because every good thing comes from Christ. It comes from God, and every good thing is removed from that place called hell. It's not going to be a a place that you would want to spend any amount of time in whatsoever. It was not created for you. Hell was not created for you. God created you to be with him. Heaven is a rewarding place. When you live for the Lord and you serve others, God sees it, and he he is able to reward you who diligently serve him and seek him. My closing statement is this, that Daniel was positioned in a time where the world as he knew it was against him. And I just think that he could have become super bitter and super angry. You know what I mean? He was doing all the right things and, 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 and he was, you know, an excellent spirit was in him and he was being promoted in life. But then there were these people that began just to kind of tear him down. And you know, I was in, anybody served the Lord for over 20 years? Anybody? Awesome. Man, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your, for your faithfulness. And um, I remember I was in ministry for about three years, and I was so elated to be in ministry and just to share what God had done 
for me. And, and I wanted just to give that away. But about three years into ministry, I realized something. And you know what I realized? <laughs> I realized that sheep bite. Sheep are mean. People are mean. Sometimes the people that I spent the most time with loved the hardest, was available to, were some of the same people that gathered small armies against me. shot their fiery darts in my direction. One of the things and the reason why I applauded those that have been faithfully serving the Lord for 20 plus years is because sometimes when you're doing the Lord's work, and and the Bible even cautions us, it says do not grow weary in well-doing. Because when you give and you give, and you give and you give and you give, You can look up and some of the people that you've given the most to are saying some of the most terrible things about you. And what can happen is you can lose your innocence. You can lose the very reason why you started to do what you started to do in the first place. And that was out of a love and an appreciation to how good God has been to you And how you want your life, you know what I mean, just to shine back to to the Lord by serving other people. But you can lose your innocence. And so I'm sure that Daniel in his day and age could have been angry and, and could have been bitter and could have, you know what I mean, but he didn't because he was able to look up and And I just want to encourage you, and I believe this is for somebody here this morning, that it's very possible that 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 because you've been around humanity for so long that you've kind of started to lose your innocence and your passion and your drive. You know, you're just like, well, fine. They don't, want to, they don't want help. I ain't gonna help. If they want help, they can come to me. You know what I mean? So what's happening is there's a, there's a hardening of your heart. And I'm just saying the best way to refocus your life is to look up. And begin to remember. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. But all I'm saying is, is that this world church is not our home. We are strangers in a strange land passing through. And if you're blessed to live a hundred years, God bless you. Any, any more than that, man, God bless you. How cool is that? Great, great, great. I was, I was talking to Ernest. I was like, how many great-grandkids? How many grandkids? How many great-great-great-grandkids do you? Man, when you live a long time, you got a lot of family that you get a chance to speak into and share. So if you're given that, man, praise the Lord. But if you're not, man, praise the Lord if you know him. Because I'm telling you what, I think this. I think that when we step into heaven and we're in the presence of the Lord, we will automatically have this mindset, man, why was I fighting so hard for? And, and, and I'm not saying 
that we need to speed up or, or look, but I'm just saying, listen, when we've lived this life and we have, we, have, we have lived it to the best that we can live it, I'm telling you this, God has greater for you and he's got greater for me. That's all I'm saying. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 845 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.